Hi, guys. Welcome to the Thrive Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thrive is a young adult group from Maranatha Bible Church. We hope you enjoyed the message. You could tell Charlie when we went out to Akron U, he had asked the question uh, to some people, as you could tell, which is extremely awkward about pornography, but I thought he did a great job because nobody likes to talk about what we're going to talk about tonight. And it is one of those things, and I talked about this a little bit last week, but I would say this this sermon tonight is more difficult for me to talk about and to preach than last week's was, but because, as I said, pornography is something that majority majority of people struggle with. Um, I, I would say st- statistics across the board, but nobody really wants to talk about it. Nobody really wants to preach a sermon on it, and there's a lot of you, you have heard sermons, you have maybe heard messages to where uh, they talked about pornography, and it really left you feeling super condemned and super maybe beat down, and you didn't really understand where you what you were supposed to do in your walk with Christ. And so uh, I hope tonight is extremely helpful. Um, Jonathan, if you could uh, turn up the house lights for me just a hair, that would be super great so they can at least see what's in front of them. Thank you. And I can see your beautiful faces. So uh, if you're new here tonight, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Mike, and we are in a six-week series on relationships. We're on week uh, four tonight, and next week we're going to do uh, talk about Ruth chapter one, and what are you supposed to do if you still feel helpless and hopeless after all of these sermons, and then the final week we're going to have a panel where I have, uh, some of you would know Jordan and Caleb Esber come, and they're going to kind of answer some questions, and there's one other person I'm really trying to convince come, so hopefully pray for that mystery person for a panel. But anyway, um, tonight is the second sermon on sex and how to talk about it and really the kind of sex you don't want to have. And right out of the gate, like I said, um, a lot of you maybe you're very hopeful after last week, hoping what kind of story I'm going to share and what am I going to say? And, you know, am I going to tell you about this time with hope or that time? And you're, you're very anxious about that. And so I don't know if you're going to be uh, encouraged tonight or you're going to be whatever. So, but anyway, what I want to say out of the gate when we talk about this is for those of you who have heard a sermon about sex and it left you discouraged. I have to say on behalf of the church and maybe behalf on uh, some pastors, this simple phrase, I am sorry. I am sorry. If you have heard pastors talk about sex or talk about pornography in a way that left you feeling discouraged, like you were the only one and like really there's no hope for you and you know, you don't know what to do and you know, God's punishment is coming and your life is ruined if you know, you watch pornography or you have sex outside of marriage and all those things. If you have come to church and you're not a Christian and you already know these things and you're kind of like, yeah, this is no new, no new news for me and I don't know what to think about it. Like, I said, I am sorry. It says in 1 Corinthians 5, it says this, that for what has, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? It is not those inside the church whom you are to judge. God judges those outside. So I want to be very clear tonight. If you would say that you are a follower of Jesus tonight, if you claim to follow Christ, if he is your Lord and your savior, I am specifically talking to you. If you are not a Christian and you have no church background, you're kind of new to this thing and you really don't understand a lot of it, um, I believe that what I'm going to talk about tonight can bring you a lot, of, a, a lot more quality to life, simply. 
but it is not the primary thing. And I want to say this phrase, and some of you might disagree, but I believe it is extremely true and and important before we even talk about this tonight. And there was a mentor who actually told me this. Jesus initially cares about who your Savior is more than who you're sleeping with. He initially cares more about that so if you hear tonight and you hear that maybe you're, you, you, you know, you, maybe you listened to last week or you're here last week and we were talking about sex and how maybe it needs to be inside a marriage and we talked about here's the most fulfilling kind of sex and you left feeling extremely um, condemned and you left feeling misunderstood and you didn't understand this side, I hope that you see this phrase on the screen and you would believe it to be true. Jesus initially, initially cares about who your Savior is more than who you're sleeping with. Because sometimes there's, and like I said, pastors, and and it comes from a good motive, but it always comes across really just um, out of line where they want want non-Christians to act like Christians, and there's nothing worse than someone, well, there's a lot of things worse, but when someone goes to hell, but they acted like a Christian for a little bit of time. They, str- they were trying to do something, but were not able to do it because they didn't have the Spirit of God. So before we get in tonight, I want to make sure that you understand, if you are not a Christian, you need to at least ask yourself the question, who is my Savior and where is my eternal, where is my eternal hope found? Is it found in Christ? And before we even talk about this, like I said, I think it brings quality to life. And for those of you who would say, you are a Christian, You've been here through the the whole sermon series, really. We talked about how to find the one. We talked about singleness. You felt like maybe that one was helpful. We talked about uh, sex last week in part two. And I know a lot of people were a little bit, what's part two about? Like, how? I mean, what else are we going to say? Hopefully uh, tonight is helpful for you because I do not want to waste your time. You you take about an hour and a half, maybe between driving or two hours on a Wednesday night, and you decide to come. I want it to be extremely helpful to you. I want to show you what the Bible says. I want to talk about questions you're asking, and I hopefully want to answer them. And the first point or first thing I want to say, which is kind of repeating myself, and there's a reason why I'm doing that, but it's this. The empty, empty sex is the worst kind of sex. When we talked last week about, you know, maybe a marriage commitment or the kind of sex that God wants for you, we talked about pleasure, we talked about people who serve, we talked about intimacy and procreation and the kind of sex that is the most fulfilling kind of sex. The empty sex or sex that does not bring you what you are asking it to bring will leave you still feeling insecure, still feel you, still leave you feeling empty and hopeless and really struggling with what you were struggling with in the first place. And uh, Solomon is going to help us out tonight. He says in Ecclesiastes seven twenty six to 28, I find something more bitter than death. If someone, if your grandpa or grandma were talking to you and they said, hey, there is something worse than dying, that's usually pretty important because they're about to die, right? So they're, they're headed towards that, I guess, point in life. They're about to die more bitter than death. The woman whose heart is snares and whose net and whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner by her. Behold, this is what I found, says the preacher, and this is this guy Solomon. While adding one to another, I find the schemes of things, which my soul has sought repeatedly, but I have not found. So there's always, uh, and whether you have church background or not, there's always a portion of people where what they will do is what Solomon did in his life. They'll say, hey, I know what the Bible says, but, and, and this is the, the statement I'll get back, 
Mike, you can't really be serious in what your request is or what God is saying in that we should stay pure until marriage. Like that has to be a joke. Maybe that was a thing back like in Bible times, but there's no way that God actually wants that for us. Well, in Bible times, and Proverbs talks a ton about sex and purity, and this is why they, it was actually culturally acceptable for a, a husband to have his wife, but have multiple, multiple prostitutes who were there to please him endlessly as he would request, and it was supposed to not even be a thing. The wife wasn't even supposed to ask, wasn't even supposed to have questions. And so Solomon is really, in the Bible, is pressing us on sexual issues because the same sexual drive that all of you have, I mean all of you, and you have desires, is not new. It's not like it just happened in, you know, 2001. I don't know whenever you guys got born. 2001, I mean, some of you, 99. It didn't just happen. You're the first generation. Oh, my gosh, you have to face pornography. (gasps) Oh! It didn't happen. So I do understand that it is different for a lot of you. And you would say, man, maybe your struggles are different. There's actually a man who said, and this was said to me by a mentor. So I don't even know this guy, which gives me a lot of freedom. He said the phrase that he will not give up the multiple mistresses he has because he has the same sexual drive as Solomon. Just can't do it. Now, what are we supposed to say to that? Does God care about that? Some of you are like, I never thought about that before. Yeah, and I mean, maybe he is the, you know, uh, Bible Times Hugh Hefner. I don't know. I mean, we have to decide. You guys didn't even know. You forgot about that guy, didn't you? Uh, you did. I saw you guys like, Hugh Hefner? Um, no, but this is, this is true. The empty sex is the worst kind of sex because when you want to have sex, and hopefully you do, I know you want to, there is something you are asking it to do for you more than just bring pleasure. And if you ask sex to only just bring a pleasure for you, which is a short amount of time, short amount of time, when you ask it to do that, guess what? In about an hour, you feel more insecure, you feel more lonely, you feel like you've given yourself, and it just causes all of these things. And I'm saying this from the Bible, but a lot of you are sitting here tonight and you're like, I know that from experience. Wouldn't even need the Bible to say empty sex is the worst kind of sex because you would say, yeah, 100%, I already believe that. First time I did it when I was 16 years old, this is what happened and this is what happened. I came home from prom and then this happened and honestly, it just felt like I felt terrible. This is what took place. You would already know that to be true. So there's two things I'm gonna at least talk about tonight primarily and what I wanna do, and I haven't even jumped in uh, to the message tonight, but I'm gonna try and be super quick. I don't want tonight to be real, uh, a really long message. I know sometimes they've been at least going a little bit longer, but because I believe the questions you're asking, I wanna make sure I'm talking about them in a honest way, a biblical way, a helpful way. Uh, what my goal tonight is, is not to make you uh, feel extremely condemned because talking about pornography is something that about once a year, will we'll do uh, because I believe it's necessary. It, is, it makes you feel uncomfortable. It doesn't make me feel uncomfortable, but it makes you feel uncomfortable. Uh, you feel like, oh no, what about this or what about this? And then uh, on the flip side of that, I want to talk about pornography, but my hope for you is that you believe, you would leave here tonight saying this phrase in your head on the way out the door, I believe that I can do it by the power of Christ. I can make it. I can make it to wedding night. I can make it to wedding night. I can be pure if that's what God wants me to do, and I believe he does. 
So tonight, the kind of sex you don't want to have is number one, is when it's about what you offer, not who you are. When it's about what you offer, not who you are, there's a story, and I wish I could spend a lot more time in this story, but I'm not. Judges 16, four to six says this, and it's speaking of Samson. After he loved a woman in the valley whose name was Delilah, and the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, seduce him and see where his great, great strength lies. And by what means may we overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And, and we will give each we will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that no one can subdue you. Uh, A lot of you grew up in church and you're familiar with the story of Samson and Delilah and you would understand and you would know about how, you know, he had this great strength and in the midst of the great strength, there's these Philistines where they went to this woman who, even though Samson was extremely strong and where was his strength found? It was in his long, luscious locks and, you know, you got to figure it out. And she, you know, they're playing games back and forth and she is pursuing to have sex with him or to subdue him. And this super strong guy who has a ton of strength, he's killing it uh, in these battles and he's super wise and he's got all these things t- at his hands. He loses his way to a woman named Delilah who wanted to have sex with him, not for who he was or what their relationship was, but for what she or what he offered and what she offered. And I say this from, again, a biblical perspective, but a lot of you would already be agreeing with this in your head. The worst kind of sex is when it's not about you and who you are and what the relationship is, but it's about what you offer. So prime example, uh, girls, it would be for you the body that you present to that individual. And for guys, it would be for you what she is able to give you. And when that is the focal point, when that is what the sex is about, it will leave you feeling empty. And here's the phrase that I, I want, most of you would already believe this, it guts you of who you are. It loses your way. It loses who you believe and who God has created you to be. And so genuine love, genuine love is not when the person has something to offer me. Okay, so if, I'm, if, if, if you're going to have sex inside of marriage and seeking to have sex inside of marriage, when, is, when it is outside of marriage, every single time, this is what someone will say to me, but Michael, I loved her or I loved him. I had strong emotions and strong feelings for him. And this is how crazy, and I'm going to talk about this on the next point, but this is how crazy sin is for you and for me. Sin is something that deceives you and lies to you and lures you like nothing else that you ever know. It just constantly deceives you. And ladies, ladies, if it is about what you offer now, that is all it will ever be about. If they tell the lie about the kind of sex that you want to have, well, it's that I truly love you, and they'll say the things that you need to hear. It is only about what you offer and not about who you are. It is Proverbs 5, 23. It says this, he dies for lack of discipline. If we are unable, and again, I'm going to get to this. If we are unable to deny ourselves as followers of Christ, in any area God would ask us, any area, are we truly following after what God would want? 
So when we talked about how to find the one, we talked about denying ourselves and what God would want for me and, and being able to discern if this individual is who God has for me and not just dating the most available person with a pulse. And you have to use discernment. Singleness. We talked about denying yourself and really embracing singleness as what God might have for you. And last week, talked about the same thing every single time. If we cannot deny ourselves, and listen, this is something that is, is, is so, I mean, just insane. If we cannot deny ourselves when we are dating or engaged or even pursuing marriage, what makes you believe that you can once you are? What would convince you or what would convince you of that person because character does not change when you say your vows it doesn't just magically poof godly fairy dust comes down my beloved son and whom I will please you know it, do, it doesn't happen so you have to discern that second thing is this the kind of sex you don't want to have is fake or virtual and you already know what I'm talking about so um, I'll sit I'll sit uh, the first time I saw pornography, I was 11 years old. I went over to my friend's house. We were playing. I was staying the night. We were hanging out, playing video games. And he said, hey, I want to show you something. I was 11 years old, man. And we went into his room. He took the drawer. He opened the drawer. And underneath a Bible, moved the Bible. True story. Hey, Duma, check this out. What? First time, I was 11 years old. Second time, I was at my other friend's house, and this time it wasn't just a magazine. He said, hey, let me show you something on my dad's computer. 12 years old, man. Sweet, show me, yeah, yeah. Saw it again. And then the next time, I was at my next, and, and you guys know these types of stories. I mean, for a lot of you, the first time you were introduced to pornography was when? It was with a friend, or maybe someone showed you, and it was maybe this, it was on the bus, or it was at this, you know, someone else, and you almost feel like you were lured into it, or maybe you weren't even seeking after it. But the kind of sex you don't want to have is this kind of sex. Because sex, and I, and I don't want to get extremely graphic, but sex with yourself is not sex at all. And it, if it hurts you and what it is trying to do and what sin does is how, it's an algorithm, right? So even on your phones, you know, there are certain advertisements. And man, I mean, I'm a huge proponent. Have you ever seen that movie on uh, Netflix, The Social Dilemma? Oh my gosh, I am bent about that movie right now. But anyway, it's really good. It talks about algorithms and how pretty much we're all just robots and uh, the, we're doing whatever they want us to do. So anyway, an algorithm and how it advertises to you and you don't even know what you're doing and all these things. Sin, this is what sin does to you and to me. It deceives me, it lies to me, and it convinces me this phrase. It's only once, I'm the only one, and it's not that big a deal. Every time. It just makes me tell lies. So even as we talk about pornography tonight, and there's everyone's kind of like, oh, like I hate this conversation. It makes you, you know, and the devil, he'll make you believe you're the only one. You're the only one who's ever struggled with pornography. You're the only one dealing with it. And then he'll also convince you that it's just the way it is. And even, I think it was years ago, it, there was a huge transition when people would talk about porn. They would say, well, we're really just talking to the guys. You know, they'd split. You ever grew up in church where they put the guys in one room, put the girls in the other room, and they're like, oh, okay, you know, here's what we're doing. You know, you'd be on a retreat, and, you know, they'd have the one women speaker over in the other one, and be like, hey, guys, we hate to have this talk, but we got to do it, you know. And it was like, and it was really weird to where it was, hey, the guys struggle with this, but for the girls, it's not really a big deal. 
Well, I don't believe that is the case. I believe that it is across the board. So what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? Because if you truly want to honor God, if you truly want to honor God, is there any possible way you can actually be pure? I doubt, I doubt, I'm going to say something tonight where you're going to be like, I never heard that before. Wow. I doubt that. I doubt tonight if you came in, you're like, man, if he said, man, I didn't even know that. Now, for some of you, that might be true. But for a lot of you, I don't think that is the case. It is this, that your porn struggle now hurts the enjoyment of your future sex for you and your spouse. Your porn struggle now will hurt the, 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 the enjoyment of future sex with your spouse. So before I get to the Bible and what the Bible says, um, porn obviously is a deceiver and a liar. And by the providence of God, had a conversation with someone uh, two weeks ago, and we were talking about his engagement, and he's not a follower of Christ, and it's not even, I mean, not even really, it's kind of on his radar, but not really a thing. And as we were talking about his engagement, the topic of pornography came up. And I had just kind of asked him a few questions, and no one here would really know him, so I feel super safe, and I'm not going to use any names or anything like that. And he said this phrase to me. He said, man, I'll tell you what, Mike, if I didn't have pornography, I don't even think I could get married. And that phrase may shock you. Oh, that's why you get married, right? You're blown away. But what sin does is it puts us in a camp to where we believe, and even as I'm talking now, you're frustrated and you believe you're the exception. And maybe you think you're the only one and you end up with a ton of people who struggle with porn and just believe that it's just the way it is. And then now both of them are having conversations with me and my wife about she is begging that he would quit, isn't she? Begging. And now if we can just talk about it and it affects their sex life now, she can tell and it hurts the enjoyment of what God wants sex to be. Even without the Bible, even as I'm talking about this, most of you would already know this to be true. Know this to be true. With pornography or when sex is fake and when it's virtual and when it's just, I mean, it's so deceiving. And when we find ourselves in that realm, I could sit here and talk about Genesis 2 and how God created marriage and when he wants marriage to, you know, when he wants sex to actually happen and how it's most fulfilling. I don't even think I need to do much convincing tonight. A lot of us would say, yeah, I know that's a thing. I know that's a thing. So what am I supposed to do? What do you want me to do? Glad you asked, because I'm going to answer that. Matthew 5, 23, or 27 to 30 says this. Jesus said this phrase, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Pause. Let's talk. Every single individual has committed that sin. Everyone. There is no exception. I mean, and Jesus is saying this because they're asking about commandments and laws and all these things. And when Jesus is saying that, he is trying to make sure that no matter what, even if you're in here tonight and you're not a Christian, you've never looked at porn, you've never had sex outside of marriage, you're kind of like, hey, I got a pretty clean rap sheet compared to these Christians. If that were you, if that were you, Jesus says, no, 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 no. It is about the heart. It is about the heart. Why? 
I'm going to talk about that in a second. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. That sounds super practical. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body to be thrown into hell. Hey, if I have a chance, I'd rather cut off my hand than go to hell. That's, I mean, body parts, that ain't a big deal. Like, chop them off. Let's, let's get it done. Because then we get to go to heaven. Is that what he's saying? Some of you have never thought about that. It's actually super helpful. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body to be thrown into hell. Thank you, Jesus, helping us out here tonight on Wednesday night at Thrive. So why is the worst kind of sex fake and virtual? Again, you already know by experience. I don't need to convince you much. I don't need to tell any more stories. I don't need to tell you how um, waiting and how it's so much better sex. That's not what you need help with tonight. And when Jesus says, cut off your right hand, you're like, oh, great. He's going to bring up the phone, and we got to get rid of the phone, and we got to do this, and we got to, can't go here. You know, we got, you guys are all like thinking, oh, if he brings up a phone, man, I swear. Like, what do you want me to do? Flip phone, smoke signals? What are we supposed to do? Mike, what are we supposed to do? So if you would be sitting here tonight and you would say, hey, there's a couple camps here tonight, one of you, and I want to talk to one of you, that porn is a real thing for you. And you would say, hey, it's a battle. I pray often. It's just not a thing. It's super acceptable amongst my peers and my friends and my dorm rooms. It's not even a discussion. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. It's more of a joke. We trade videos. We talk about it. It's just in our common language. It's just what it is. It is, I mean, porn, it's just a thing. It's super easy. It's, it's, it helps me. I mean, I've had people tell me it, it keeps their GPA up. I mean, you guys laugh, and some of you are like, who told him? Like, you, you would say these things. There's certain people that, I mean, you're, great, you're less irritated. There's all of this stuff. I know what you are thinking. What am I supposed to do? Does God actually want me to get rid of stuff? Does he want me to not have a phone? Does he, you know, what, what am I supposed to do? I love that Jesus uses the metaphor here. No, he doesn't want you to cut your hand off. No, he doesn't want any body parts on the altar tonight. No, we ain't burning phones. We ain't doing any of that tonight. What do I believe Jesus wants from you tonight? Whatever you need to do in order to be obedient to him. So obedience, and I feel like I've said this twice today. Obedience is typically personal. Okay, so obedience is following after what God would want. And hear me very clearly tonight, it is not about perfection. Never has been, never will be. Perfection is not a season. You don't grow into perfection. It's not like once, you know, then once you start, once you get married and having a lot of sex, then you don't struggle with porn. No, 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 it's actually been the opposite has been my experience with conversations. And, And it always is weird because for those of you who would know, I serve uh, we have a young married small group. So sometimes I come across as like the big brother where I'm like, don't do it. Because I have conversations with people who are married two, three, four, five years. The porn struggle you have is not going to go away. Marriage does not heal it. It just never, it, it, it never does. I, I've yet to be in conversations with someone who struggled with porn before he got married, before they got married. They got married and it just went away. Why? Porn is easier, takes less work, it breeds your insecurity, there's zero risk, and it is extremely safe. So once you get married and your sex life is not going really well, what's, what's really easy? Porn. It's just super easy. It doesn't, it doesn't go away. 
like I said, sin, it constantly keeps coming at you. So what are you supposed to do? Obedience is usually personal. So it doesn't say in the Bible, burn the iPhone. You know, have all these blockers up. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. It, it doesn't give actual practical scenarios. What's it give? It gives the opportunity for you to understand what you need to do. So when it comes to Mike Duma's obedience in this area, how am I supposed to stay pure? What am I supposed to do? I have to know, number one, my wife has constant access to any kind of thing on my phone at all times, can ask any question, passwords, anything. You live a, st- you live a glass door life, whatever that looks like for me. It doesn't mean that I can't have Instagram or phone. No, that's not what it means. But I do believe it does mean that for some people for a season, for a season, for people who are heavily addicted to porn, heavily addicted. And it's not just once a week. It's not just right before your exam. It's every single day. I believe you need to ask, what boundaries do I need to put up in my life so that this would not happen again? And Jesus, it would be a heart issue. He would rather you not want to watch porn, right? But that's not really a thing. So I have to put myself in a position to where I can't do that. I can't. If it means I have to give something up for a season, maybe I have to do that. You need to discern what that is for you and what God wants for you. And trust me, there's always different seasons of it, isn't it? It's when you're super busy or stressed and exams are coming up. Oh my gosh. It's when you just got the relationships going bad or holiday times coming up and their family stress and you're anxious. There's always natural dispositions that you have for those seasons. And you need to know yourself more than anyone else. And there should be, there, not everyone should know everything about you. I mean, that would be weird. Right, if I got up here and just like, all right, guys, let me tell you this and just kind of open my mail, clear as could be. I mean, that would be a little awkward for everybody. But somebody should know everything. Somebody. And someone who's going to ask. And if this causes me to sin, hey, you know what? I need to not be around this environment. I need to not do this. I need to not be here. The worst kind of sex is fake and it is virtual. What I would like to do, and I have one other point, but I'm going to stop and I'm going to answer four questions that I have got um, either through this series or through previous ones. Um, if you have a question, I want you to write it down. And on when we do the panel in two weeks, I'm going to have an opportunity for you to just kind of text them in anonymously and it'll be Caleb, Jordan, myself, and we'll kind of answer those. But these are the four that I get almost every single time I talk about sex or do a sermon on pornography. Number one, how far is too far? How far is too far? So are we just talking about intercourse? Are we just talking about what kind of sex are we talking about here? And what am I allowed to do, right? So if someone draws the line, you want to say, what is, where's the line in the Bible? Because I would like to know. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest ye fall. If you do not struggle with porn, I would say that you memorize that verse. Let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest you fall. No temptation has overtaken you that such is common to man. And God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. That's sweet. You like that part. But with the temptation, he doesn't force you. He gives you the opportunity. He will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. 
and I've said this before, and I think it is the most uh, practical, helpful tip is this. How far is too far? You should never start a motor that is not meant to be stopped. You should never start a motor that's not meant to be stopped. Nobody in here would get in a car with no brakes and drive 100 mile an hour down the highway and try and make a turn. You don't start a motor that's not meant to be stopped. So how far is too far? How far, if, you, or if you're in a relationship, or if you're, you know, maybe, is it, is it porn? Is it soft porn? Is it just a this? It's just a movie? It's just, hey, it's just a TV show. It's just Netflix. It's not that big a deal. How far is too far? If you can't, don't start a motor that can't be stopped, because there's a reason it can't be. There's a reason it can't be stopped. Number two, is oral sex a sin? And I get this a lot. Um, Ephesians 5, 3. But among you there must not be, and that even, I don't even know why that spelling is there. There shouldn't even be a hint of sexual immorality. And when the Bible talks about a hint of sexual immorality, it means not even a hint. And so, is oral sex equivalent to actual sex? Obviously not. But it is equivalently wrong. So just because you're going around it a different way and you're trying to cover it up and it's, it's camoed a little bit, it maybe makes you feel less guilty about what you're doing, it is still wrong. Not even a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint. And number three, what sh- or when should you start talking about sexual expectations? Because last week we talked a little bit about how they need to be clear. Um, when you get married, the guy is supposed to be and should be what's called the spiritual leader. And the Bible talks about that in Ephesians 5, 1 Corinthians, the spiritual leader. When you are dating and when you're seeing someone, girls, he is not your spiritual leader. He's not. The position actually does not exist. And what the phrase I like to say is this, he is considered your spiritual pointer, so the dating relationship, the guy is supposed to point you to Jesus. He's supposed to point, he's your spiritual pointer. In marriage, spiritual leader, they're leading the way. But when is it acceptable? When, you, when should you start, start talking about sexual expectations? Um, I believe that this, is, this can actually be a good thing that goes really, really bad really quick. So when you start talking about sexual expectations, what happens? It just becomes a little bit more comfortable, oh, well, what would you prefer? What would you prefer? And then it ends up being this, well, what do you prefer? And then it ends up being this really weird thing that the more comfortable you are about, around talking about it with your spouse or significant other, it really does open the door for, for other things. And so here's what I would say. Um, you need to be engaged. And this is really, really practical that I think Hope and I really strive to apply um, we would not talk about sexual expectations first. It was with our premarital counselor. And then second, we would just not be sitting on the couch um, by ourselves. Like that just wasn't a thing. And when it says provide the way of escape, you can't say that you tried to find the way of escape, but it was at, it's always 1 a.m. on the couch and it's like, there was no way of escape. We tried. No, the way of escape was at 11. Was at 11. The way of escape was that you have some boundaries. Well, hey, we, we just don't have makeout sessions on the couch at this time. Or, man, it's always, someone needs to be home or we can't end up doing this because we just know ourselves too well. 
should, which, and even talking about sexual expectations with someone, definitely, definitely, if you are seriously dating, but I think that's an engagement thing, and that's not something to, to champion, at least um, for, for what you're, you're hoping for. And lastly, how are you supposed to actually stay pure? And this is what I've been trying to answer tonight. Ephes- or Galatians five sixteen. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You will not. That's a promise. In 2 Peter 1, 3, he's, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Everything. And for those of you that would be asking, man, you can't be serious. I mean, come on. Porn, everybody watches porn. Everybody has sex before marriage. Everybody does. You fill in the blank. God can't be serious. And I heard an illustration today that I thought was phenomenal. And it was the guy, he was talking about how when we choose to follow Christ, we put him on the throne. And when we put him on the throne, he, we are following his commands, whatever he wants us to do. And while he is on the throne, we are on the cross because we are dying to ourselves. And a lot of times what we do is we switch that role to where we put ourselves on the throne and we put him back on the cross to where we want to be our own God. And as Christians, we do that constantly. It is a constant struggle. It's a constant battle to where we need to put ourselves on the throne and say, God, what do you want me to do? And whatever you want me to do, I believe, I believe that you will give me the strength to do so. And because I'm so stupid, yeah, because I'm so dumb, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell this person everything. I'm going to make sure that this can't happen. And if it does happen, this is the first person to know. That if I get an Instagram message from a porn star, what I need to do is say, hey, Hope, you need to delete this for me and block this. That I need to have boundaries set up in place. So it's not just something that I trust myself. If I trust myself, I have led myself astray too many times. I can't trust myself. So you have to decide, do you want to? Do you want to? And it's a phrase from Andy Stanley, and I think it is absolutely phenomenal. He says this, following Jesus makes you better at life and life better. Following Jesus, if you're not a Jesus follower, that following Jesus, we believe, makes life better. And once you start to follow Jesus, it makes you better at life makes it more enjoyable. And when it seems like God is pulling away or taking things from you, he's actually trying to give to you. He is out for your joy. He truly is, man. I mean, he is out for your joy. And he wants, he wants you to be obedient, but he understands when you're not. I want to end tonight reading John chapter 4. Despite your current sexual failings, Jesus wants to bring freedom today for you. I would insert your name. From any guilt or shame you have. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read. It is a little lengthy, but I think it's necessary. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for drink from me? Ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who, who it is that is saying this to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. 
And the woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get the living water? This woman is having a conversation with Jesus and just like you do, just like I do, when Jesus brings things up spiritually, what do we do? We deflect. He's talking about living water, living life. And she's like, oh, H2O, where's the well? And he's like, no, 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 no. And he keep watch, he keeps doing it. Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well to drink from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said, sir, Give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. She's like, oh, you're talking about water again. I would like to not have to work as much anymore. I don't want to have to come to the well anymore. I don't want to have to do this. And there's so much at this story at play, but I'm just doing a drive-by on the story. And she is coming to this well by herself. She has huge sexual regrets. She has huge sexual failings. And Jesus is having a conversation with her. And he said to her, go, call your husband and come here. Because after you deflect a certain amount of time, Jesus just hits you right in the gut. He says exactly what you need to hear. She said, I have no husband. He said, you are right in saying I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one you are with now is not your husband. And she said, it is true. And the woman said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. Why is she talking about the mountain? talking about worship, talking about this. And she said, oh, you're a prophet. You know about my personal sin. You know about my struggles. You know about my porn. You know about this guy I'm sleeping with now. You must be a prophet. Why does that matter? And Jesus said to her, you are right. Or Sorry, verse 20. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and, but you say that in Jerusalem, in this place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming where neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem Will you worship the Father? Down to verse 26, Jesus said to her, as she was talking about the Messiah, I who speak to you am he. Here's why I read that, and I want to close out with that, is when we sometimes come and hear a message like this, maybe it's about porn, it's sexual sin, it's super difficult, and it's maybe you've heard, you know, different things said about it, made you feel condemned or whatever, When you in your mind or in your heart hear these things and it makes you think you're the exception and sin will lie to you, Jesus will graciously, because he loves you, he'll keep bringing up one more thing. He'll say, well, hey, what about this? Or what about this? And it is not because he hates you. It is because he loves you. And he does not want you to be thirsty anymore. Because what we are asking sin to do and as it leads us astray... He is the most fulfilling thing. I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. Let me pray. God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for John chapter 4 and Jesus, the interactions that you have with real people that we would resonate with, that we would um, understand their story. And as a lot of times we spiritually deflect and we don't want to talk about the things that you want to talk about sometimes, but yet it is your grace. So God, would you so graciously, as you love us, give us eyes to see. 
where we need to grow, where we need to set boundaries, where we need to maybe cut things off or maybe add something here, or maybe have a conversation with someone, would you help us? Because God, I do believe, I do believe that you do want the most fulfilling sex for everyone in this room. Everyone listening, you, you want the most fulfilling sex for us. And a lot of times we think you're out to take and you're out to give. Would you help us to keep you on the throne in our life? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for being here with us uh, tonight. You are dismissed. Thanks for listening to the Thrive Podcast. We'd love for you to join us in person Wednesdays at Maranatha Bible Church. We hope to see you there. For more information, follow us on Instagram at ThriveMBC and remember to subscribe to the Thrive Podcast.